hallelujah. Why don't we just lift our hands all across the sanctuary? Jesus, there's nobody like you. You have all power in heaven and in earth. There's nothing too hard, nothing too difficult, nothing too complicated. You cannot step in and intervene. Oh, hallelujah. Prophet said in Jeremiah 10 10, but the Lord is the true God. He's the living God, and He's an everlasting King. And that everlasting King is alive and well today. And I'm so grateful I can feel His presence in this sanctuary. There is nothing that is impossible with Him. My very first pastor's wife was telling me that. Years ago, they had started a church in Kentucky because of the location. They had this mountain. They had to go up and then down to get to where the town was at. And so because it was only about a five-mile journey, but because of the mountain, it would take them 45 minutes to an hour if there was any kind of traffic. So she started telling everybody that she was going to be praying that God would just move that mountain. Yeah. Uh, they kind of told her she was young and the Lord is now I think it's more figurative, not literal, that he's going to literally move the mountain. Sometimes you have more faith than you know what to do with. huh? Yeah. Sometimes you get so charged and so ignited and so on fire that you think God can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So she prayed and prayed and early one morning she heard a lot of commotion outside of her house and walked out and all these trucks had pulled up and a construction crew kind of wondering what was going on people were pulling by and she just asked she said do you, do you know what's going on it seems like this is a lot of trucks for our little area and they said well the mayor of the city wants to increase traffic so he's going to tear this mountain down they're going to put a road right through the mountain put a road right through the i'm going to tell you he's the mountain mover and you got a mountain in your life, you can say it. Come on, let's sing it one more time. Who art thou, great mountain? If it's a sickness, who art thou, great mountain? Come on, it doesn't matter what the situation is, what the circumstance is. You ought to lift your hands with me one more time. Come on, throw your head back and sing it out. Who art thou? Who art thou? Come on, God can do it right now. Who are you, great mountain? You should not bow. Crazy, you got faith. today victory in the house if you have your bibles we're going to open the book of psalms the 
30th division, beginning at verse number 2, Psalm 30, verse number 2, and we're going to read down to verse number 5. And as you're turning there, we do want to say what a privilege it is to be back at RAC. We just love all of you so very much. This is the only church that I come to that I question my membership. Am I really where I'm supposed to be? Love you all so very much. Give honor to your fine pastor and his precious family. Aren't you thankful for your pastor today? I love the Walden family. and We went to take, get a bite with them last night. And while we were leaving, Ashley said, I just love the Waldens. And Shiloh piped up. He said, I love them too. <laughs> so You've got a fan in Shiloh. Love my wife and love my son, my best buddy so very much. And if you're a guest of ours, we are just delighted that you have come to worship the Lord with us today. Psalm 30, verse number 2, says, O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And I want to preach to us today on this subject. It made me cry, but it didn't make me quit. It made me cry, but it didn't make me quit. Would you lift your hands for me? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the anointing that has been upon the singers and the musicians and the congregation. God, now we are asking for you to speak to us from your word. Let your word come with clarity. Let your word come with conviction. Let your word come with power and persuasion. And we give you praise and thanks in advance for what you are getting ready to do in our midst. And we pray in the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. Life is a roller coaster full of experiences. It can seem at times that you are climbing never ending hills. And then, without warning, there are sudden drops. That can leave you stunned and speechless and shocked. There are twists and turns that at times you question if I'm upside down or I'm right side up. That is just life. There are moments where you can experience unbelievable happiness. And yet there are other moments when you feel like you have been plunged into the most dreadful discouraging and disappointing place that could ever exist. Have you ever been there before? A place that is of such darkness and distress and depression that you're left wondering, is there ever going to be any light at the end of the tunnel? I think most of us, without having to raise our hands, could say, yes, I know what you're referring to. Yes, I can, say, I can say emphatically that I've been there before. Because it's been said that life isn't fair. And if it hasn't been unfair to you yet, just stick around a little while, it will. 
Life can catch you off guard. It can sneak up on you and knock you off your feet. Just about the time you think you got it all covered, about the time you think you got every I dotted and every T crossed, then it all falls from under your feet. Because all it takes is a snap of a finger and the blink of an eye. Jobs can be lost. Diseases can be diagnosed. Relationships can end. Loved ones could be taken and you're left wondering and questioning what is going on. Just ask somebody with a few decades under their belt and they can tell you firsthand that life doesn't always go the way you plan. Life doesn't always go the way you desire. Life doesn't always follow the orchestrated detail that you think it should. Life plays by its own rules. And you may not notice it, but you are surrounded by individuals today that know what it's like to cry themselves to sleep. You are surrounded by those today that can tell you that when nobody else was around, I screamed out in panic and desperation, saying, I can't take this any longer. Why does this have to happen to me? Why can everybody else have happiness and everybody else have their dreams come to pass but me? I'm in this never-ending cycle of getting so close then it's slipping right through my fingers. That is the way it goes. But it was back in 1968 in Mexico City. The most gifted athletes on the planet gathered together to participate in the Olympic Games. Men and women from all over the world came to see those that had extraordinary talent to be put on display. And so finally the torch had been lit and the pomp and the pageantry had begun. And the fans were ready to see their team, ready to see their country win that gold medal. And So it came time for the marathon. And so when the race started, there was an excitement in the air. You could feel it in the atmosphere. The reporters were reporting exactly what was happening, who had the lead, who was gaining, and who was going to be the front runner. And as these runners were giving everything they had, running with every fiber of their being, giving every ounce of energy that they possessed, the unfortunate situation began to unfold. They began to run, and as they turned a corner, somebody tripped on another runner. And before you knew what happened, one right after another, the runners fell to the ground. One in particular, John Stephen of Tanzania, tried to get away from the carnage but couldn't make it in time. And so when he tripped and fell, he smashed to the ground. His shoulder hit the pavement. His leg was gashed and his knee was dislocated in just one moment. And so with the fans almost breathless and the emergency medical team rushing out onto the field trying to treat these runners who were in severe pain, some who were already crying and screaming out for help, they got to Mr. Steve and and they began to treat him. Another team came out on the field and they had a stretcher getting ready to take him out. When something almost unbelievable happened, 
this runner from Tanzania waved them off. said, no, I don't need any help. And he got himself up, stood on his own two feet, and began to keep running. Why? Why would he do something like this? He was in so much pain. You could see it on his face. He was running. And by the time he finally crossed the finish line, the winner had been announced for over an hour. Most of the fans had already left, and all the reporters were gone except for one who waited patiently because he needed to know. He had to know why would this man torture himself like this. So he began to walk towards this runner from Tanzania. When he came to him, he saw the grimace on his face. He saw the warm tears streaming down. And he asked him the question. He said, sir, why didn't you just quit? You knew you couldn't win. Finally, after a moment, Mr. Stevens spoke up and said, my country did not send me to start the race but to finish the race. My country didn't send me to start the race, but to finish the race. See, that dream of wearing the gold medal had long disappeared. That vision had vanished of him standing with all the cameras flashing. The only thing that was real was the pain that was so mind-numbing. But there was something deep down in the depths of his heart that said, even though I may be in pain, even though it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, even though I did some crying along the way, I did not quit. Can I preach to somebody here today that there's no denying that your pain isn't real. We're not dismissing the fact that life can be tough. Life can be turbulent. Life can be trying. Life can mess you up. Life can turn you upside down and make you live a nightmare in real life. At the end of the day, we have to stand up and square our shoulders and lift our head up high and open up our mouth and say, it made me cry, but it didn't make me quit. I was done wrong. I was dealt an unfair hand. People spoke about me and they know what they said wasn't true. I may have shed some tears, but there's something deep down inside of me that I'm not going to quit. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I don't think he could ever imagined it. I don't think you, if you would ask him, he could have even fathomed the possibility of living in a cave, running for his life, afraid that at any second and in any moment and any place, His life could be snatched from him. And to make matters worse, the one that had a bullseye on his chest was the king of Israel by the name of Saul. David, the one now who's in this cave, who is struggling, who no doubt had to think to himself, I thought the days of living in the shadows were over. David knew what it was like to be looked down on by his brethren. He knew what it was like to be looked past by his father and not to be even considered by the soldiers. David, when he was young, went out on the battlefield to deliver some cheese and some little food to his brothers. 
He had that little side job called Uber Eats. He's trying to make a little money. <laughs> Came down to the battle and started passing this food out. He started hearing the commotion that this old giant on the other side was challenging the Israelites and calling them out. Davis said, now hang on a second. Who is this dude? Who does this guy think he is? Finally, David's brother spoke up and said, now, David, you're out of your league right here. And he's he's trying to turn to all the soldiers and said, this is just my little brother, David. He, He gets himself in trouble. He gets looking in places where he shouldn't be looking. Matter of fact, he only cares for my father's few sheep. See, he had to say few because he had to cut him down. It wasn't, he couldn't have just said he cared for my father's sheep. He said he cared for my father's few sheep. He could barely take care of anything. You know, there are some people that are professional at cutting others down. They know how to shove that sword in and twist it. And they know exactly what to say to mess you up. They know exactly what to say to get you riled up, to feel like you're about to step out of your comfort zone. You're about to say something you're going to regret. But David, he thought that moment of being turned down on by his brothers and overlooked by the soldiers, he thought that was over because they were there. They saw it with their eyes. They heard it with their ears when he walked out on that battlefield. And that giant Goliath was charging all of Israel, just send me one man. And David walked out with a sling and five stones and said, I come to you not with a sword or with a spear or with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He took that sling and knocked him out. They saw it. His brothers were eyewitnesses when the prophet Samuel came to his house and said, I'm going to anoint the next king over all of Israel. And he didn't anoint Eliab. And he didn't anoint Abinadab. And he didn't anoint Shammah. He said, there surely got to be somebody in this house. And when David walked in, he said, surely this is the one right here. And poured that oil over his head. You talk about a U2 moment. That was a U2 moment. Come on, the seasoned saints. That was a Kodak moment. I'm reaching for my elders now. That was that Kodak moment. He anointed me. God spoke it to me. It was prophesied over me. My brothers saw it. The army saw it. The king knew it. But now, now I'm not living in the palace. Now I'm not residing in a royal residence. I'm not eating the fine foods or the delicious delicacies. I'm not being admired and adored. I'm not being celebrated or cherished. I'm sitting all by myself. And I'm crying. I'm crying. He said, he actually said in the scriptures, I watered my bed with my tears. You want to talk about depression? David knew what it was like to be depressed. You want to talk about being at the lowest moment that you think you could ever go to? David could stand and say, Amen. I know what it's like to not have anybody. Don't know who to trust. Don't know who to turn to. Don't know who to put my faith in. Everybody's 
betraying me. My family doesn't love me. My friends are no longer here. And now I'm all by myself. But in the book of Psalms, he said this, I'm going to trust in your loving kindness. I don't know why I'm in this place, but I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to sing to you. You know, it's more than a cliche. You can really praise your way out of the darkest nights. You can praise your way out of the worst of storms. You can praise your way out of relationships that have ended. You can praise your way out of heartache. You can praise your way out of job loss. You can praise your way. When all hope is lost and it seems like nothing's ever going to go your way. Uh, David said, I'm going to praise thee, O Lord, uh, with my whole heart. Uh, Before the gods, I'm going to sing praise unto you. It was that same David in the 34th Psalm said, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He was all by himself when he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. He had nobody around him. He said, but there's somebody that knows what it's like to be all by themselves. There's somebody that knows what it's like to feel isolated and trapped. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It must have made such an impression that his son Solomon came and wrote in Proverbs 3 and 5, he said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Solomon said, Trust in him with all your heart. I feel like preaching to somebody here today. Somebody's in the valley of decision. Somebody's feeling the sermon this afternoon. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. I wish we could have. I wish we could have fast forward time and showed David what would come to happen in the future. David, you won't always be hiding in the cave. David, you won't always be by yourself. David, there's coming a day that you're going to be revered by musicians. David, there's coming a day you're going to be feared by politicians. You're going to be admired by theologians. You're going to be loved by Christians. David, there's coming a day that it's not always going to be crying. You're not always going to be weeping. No wonder he wrote and said, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. I'm not saying you're not going to have to cry. I'm not saying that it's always going to be a bed of roses. You may shed a few tears here and there, but if you've got something down into the depths of your soul that says, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not throwing in the white towel. I'm not waving the white flag of surrenderance. I'm in this. See, it was years and years ago. It was Caesar and the Roman army that had set out on their conquest. They had conquered so many other countries, but now they had set their sights to conquer England. And so they set sail. And they... Crossed the channel and the water. 
late at night to early in the morning when the fog was still thick and when everybody was fast asleep. And so they arrived on the cliffs of Dover and they quietly docked their ships and they stepped out and began to climb this mountain. And as they began to climb these cliffs, at first it was all in rhythm, it was all in fashion, it was all protocol. But all of a sudden, they heard a cry and a scream. What's going on? And then it got louder so they recognized the sound. It was some of the soldiers. It was some of the captains of the guard. They said, look down below at the water. And when the soldiers began to look down, they saw their entire fleet on fire. All their ships were up in smoke. And so instantly, who was it that leaked the plans? Who was it? Somebody has to be a traitor. I thought we had the element of surprise The enemy didn't know we were coming. We had this under wraps. And now look, our ships are on fire. Our boats are being burnt up. And now all we see instead of the fog is the smoke. And there was a moment that the Roman army was getting ready to turn on one another. The fear and the panic had set in. And that's when Julius Caesar himself spoke up. Told them, he said, Gentlemen, it was not the enemy that lit our ships on fire. But I'm the one that set all of our fleet ablaze. What? Why? Why would you do that? What possessed you to destroy our own boats? It was then that Caesar spoke and said, Because I knew there was quit in some of you. Because when the battle got hot... And things didn't go the way we wanted it to go. We had a plan B. We could run back to the fleet. We could run back to the boat. And we could go back home to where we came. But now, we only have one option. We have to be victorious. We have to conquer the enemy. That's a bold move in battle. But I wonder what would happen if some of us would follow that advice and set fire to some old habits and some old lifestyles that we just let on the back burner. We've got to be willing to say, you know what? There is no other option. There is no other way. There is no other life. There is no other plan. For God, I'll live. And for God, I'll die. I'm not coming in this halfway. But everything I have, all that is within me, every breath that's in my body, I'm in this for the long haul. Nobody's going to push me out. Nobody's going to talk me out. I wish there was somebody that would make up in their mind and say, doesn't matter what comes, I'm not leaving the Lord. I'm not leaving this church. I'm not leaving my faith. I'm not leaving my promise. I may have to weep. I may be confused. I may be doing some crying, but I'm not going to quit. Somebody ought to lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. God knows where you're at. God knows what you're facing. God knows the battles that are raging. You may be seen. I'm getting ready to close. The musicians are getting ready to come. 
But even Jesus himself led by example. Jesus, the one that was born in Bethlehem, that was raised and preached in Luke 4 and 18 and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, and came and opened blinded eyes and unlocked deaf ears. It was Jesus that made the lame to walk and the dumb to talk. It was Jesus that even made the dead come to life again. But as we began to examine the very end of His ministry, we find that He didn't need everybody, He didn't need a crowd. He called for Peter, James, and John. He said, I need you to go and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane with me. And if I ever needed you before, I need you right now. And so they came and they began to pray. Jesus in the garden praying and praying and then notices that all three of the disciples were asleep. He woke them up and said, just just give me an hour. Just tarry with me for an hour. All I need is an hour for you to pray with me. Jesus went back and started praying. And after a little while, the same thing unfolded again. Peter, James, and John were asleep. It was then that Jesus knew this is all on me. And he knelt and he began to pray. And he said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And you know what he did? He started crying. And he started weeping. And the scripture says he began to sweat as it were great drops of blood. You want to talk about tears flowing? I know there were some tears that were flowing that day. Because he knew what was about to transpire. He was about to be beaten and berated. Jesus was about to be rejected and reviled. Jesus was about to be cuffed and crucified. He knew what was coming. He knew they were going to smack Him across the face and then shame Him in public. He knew they were going to place a crown of thorns on His head and beat Him with a cat of nine tails. He knew they were going to mock Him and ridicule Him and criticize Him. He knew they were going to pierce Him in His hands and pierce Him in His feet. He knew they were going to put Him on that cross suspended between heaven and earth And he was going to suffer like he never had before. But the author of Hebrews said, But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He did some crying. But aren't you thankful that he didn't quit? Even hanging on the cross, he could have called legions of angels. He could have burned them up. He could have brought on devastation and destruction. The angels could have come and rescued him. He could have ascended up into heaven. Oh, but he did some crying because there was something deeper. Cried and cried and cried and cried. Somebody said one time, if I have to, I'll die for Jesus. But if you can't live for Him, I know you can't die for Him. And here today, I really feel this in the Holy Ghost for this congregation. There have been some of us, we have cried 
and wondered, why is this happening to me? Oh, I know I'm, I'm going to close my eyes and preach. But there's been some that have had miscarriages. There are some that have had stillborn births. There are some that have had relationships broken. There are some that you've had to walk out of divorce court and thought, I never thought this day would come. There are some that you've had to bury loved ones and you've had to put your kids in the ground and say, it should have never happened that my boy goes before me. Oh, there's some of us here today. You've been so down, so down. You felt like you were delirious. You were so debilitated, so discouraged. You were so confused that you thought you could be admitted into a hospital. Thought I was going crazy. Thought I was losing my mind. But if you don't quit, that's what makes all the difference. Because in Revelation 21 and 4, it says, God is going to wipe away all tears. God is about to wipe away all tears and you're never going to have to cry again. There's never going to be a dark night. There's never going to be that moment when you lay your head on the pillow wondering what's the point in getting up. There's never going to be another graveyard service. There's never going to be another visit to the cemetery. There's never going to be another trip to the hospital. There's never going to be another trip to the counselor. It's all going to end. God's going to wipe away every tear and say, you cried, but you never go have to cry again. I wonder today as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Friend of mine, I know with assurance that God is speaking to you today. Aha, Shando Bosiah. Let's just stay right here just for a moment. Andala Bosiah. There's something special in the congregation here today. Why doesn't somebody just be sensitive to the Holy Ghost for a moment? Come on, I need somebody to be sensitive to the Spirit. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, 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 ay. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. It's all right to cry. It's all right to cry. Woo, that's not admitting you're weak. That's admitting you're strong. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. God knows where you've been. God hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't turned his back on you. Oh, come on. Can we stand all across the sanctuary? Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Is there somebody today you would step out of where you're standing and you would join me at an altar and say, I, I want to come today? Is there somebody that would say, This message was for me and I'm willing to step out and say, God, I don't know why you love me the way you do. I don't know why you haven't given up on me. You've seen me at my lowest moment, you've seen me in my darkest night. You've seen me when my faith was not strong. My faith was not sure. But God, you were still there for me. Woo! Hi-ya-ya. Come on, friend. The Lord's speaking to you today. Why don't you come? Ha-ha-ha. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Woo! In Jesus' name. Come on, reach out to him today. Come on, maybe find somebody. Lay your arm on their shoulder. Come on, maybe you could join me and find one of these that have made their way to the front. Just come and pray with them and say, you're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. Woo, I feel something special here now. Come on, prayer warriors. Come on, intercessors. Come on, altar workers. We need you right now. We need you right now. Thank you. 
designed to stop you but the Lord said no weapon formed let me tell you the enemy knows that it won't work so he tries to convince you to just go ahead and quit he tries to make whatever is coming against you look so bad like this is going to have to end me but the scriptures already told me no weapon formed is going to prosper don't quit. We always quote Paul when he said, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished my course. That implies to me he didn't quit. But when you read Paul's letters and read about shipwrecks and betrayal by his own country and beat by his own people, stoned and left for dead, and just all the, the things that he went through, but he said, but at the end of it, I didn't quit. He said, now there's a crown laid up for me but just, and here's where the promise is but not just for me but all of those that'll say I finished that love his appearance I, I didn't quit but it, it made me cry it hurt me but I didn't stop and I didn't quit I didn't give up I kept going and you can keep going that's the thing you can keep going and oh I've said this to our people many times here I said anybody can quit Oh, that's just anybody. I said, don't be just anybody. I said, be somebody. Stand. Keep going. Because anybody can quit. But be somebody. Stand up for the Lord. Keep going. Go another mile. Go another day. Pray another prayer. Preach another sermon. Come on. Reach for another soul. Tell one more person about Jesus. 
get up and believe again. God's going to do it. Brother, what a tremendous word from the Lord today. Wasn't that fantastic? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap and a shout in this place. Let's hear a shout of victory. Not a, not a shout of quitting, but a shout of victory. This ain't the voice of surrender. This is the voice of victory. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm thankful for him today. God's so good to us. Oh, we sure appreciate you being in service with us today. I want you to know, I just want to amen what the preacher said. You're going to make it. Don't give up. You're going to make it. If we can do anything to help you make it, let us know. We're here for you. We want to see you victorious. We want to see you, see you in that place where God wipes away all tears. We want to see it happen. Amen. Praise God. Don't forget prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Be here. Come expecting the Lord to move. Let's bless Bless his name and just see what happens. How about that? God's going to do some great stuff. Let the preacher know what a good job he did today. Thank you for being with us. Don't forget VBS this week. A lot of stuff happening. So stay connected. Stay in tune. It's going to be a busy week. God's going to move in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be dismissed today.